So the reason I was trying to prevent or, or control or stop my partner from his drinking behaviors was because I didn't want to point the finger at myself. I didn't want to look at my own shit. So when we try to fix or control something in someone else, it's almost always because there's something we're avoiding looking at within ourselves. What came up for me was I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to social media. I was addicted to basically anything external that was preventing me from looking at my own feelings, my own wounds, my own pain. And so I was, I was, I, I, the way that I explained it is like, it felt like I had this gaping hole within me. I had this level of emptiness. I had this void that I was constantly trying to fill with something from the external world. Welcome to Better Self Podcast with your your boy Frankras, of course. Today, guess who is back? And is back. So yeah, <laughs> she's a writer. She is a dreamer. She's a nomad. She do a lot of things. You know, I don't know how to describe her. She's like she have. She's very talented. She's a she's a good friend of mine as well. So today we're gonna talk about a very very nice topic. We're gonna talk about overcoming addiction. I know it's a It sounds really simple, but it can be big because addiction is such a big word and people have a different way of, you know, defining addiction, dealing with it. So before I start and just introduce yourself and let us know who you are. Yep. So I am Anne Livingston. I'm a writer, speaker, storyteller, nomad, mentor. (laughs) I was right. There's a lot of things to say. (laughs) There's a lot of things there. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it has come from my own personal journey, my personal development journey, my spiritual journey, my nomadic journey. And um, yeah, addiction is something that I'm really passionate about because I was an addict of multiple things and I'm excited to dive into it. Good. So why make you want to talk about it? Have you, are you struggling? Because when you talk about addiction, like addiction is, I think we all have an addiction. All right. So what do you define by addiction? What is addiction for you? Is it a good me, thing? Is it a bad thing? Or it can I be think, good? I think, I mean, I think that there are healthy addictions, right? Like working out, for instance, would be an example of like something that could be seen as a healthy addiction. But I think that if you're using something like working out as a way of escaping something, then that's when it becomes an unhealthy addiction. So like for me, I never really, I, I viewed myself as having an addictive personality, but I didn't think that I was necessarily an addict of anything. I didn't see myself as being addicted to alcohol. I didn't see myself as being addicted to drugs. I definitely didn't see myself as being addicted within relationships. But in 2016, when I was in the middle of a relationship and I hired a coach to help me look at some of the patterns that were sabotaging the relationship I was in, he explained to me, he's like, and you're codependent. And I thought that how I was behaving in the relationship was just totally normal because that's how, that's what had been modeled to me. And I started to learn through unpacking all of my own shit that I was addicted to the love of my partner. And then what came up for me was I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to social media. I was addicted to basically anything external that was preventing me from looking at my own feelings, my own wounds, my own pain. And so I was, 
I was, I, I, the way that I explained it is like, it felt like I had this gaping hole within me. I had this level of emptiness. I had this void that I was constantly trying to fill with something from the external world. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> well, you say you are, you was addicted to the love of your partner. That's very deep, actually. How do you describe, like, what do you, because that's quite powerful. How can you be addiction to the love of your partner? partner? Is it like what people call like, you know, toxic relationship? Like you just love the person more than you love yourself or you always put the person first or you can feel like you cannot live, live without a person. That's why you call by that. Yeah, it was a lot of that. So like what my coach explained to me at the time was he was like, you are completely dependent on this person for your own happiness. So like I was in this space where I didn't, I couldn't find joy in just normal day-to-day -day living without my partner right by my side. So even simple things like going for a walk or going to the park or going grocery shopping, I could do those things. It's not like I was, it's not like, um, I had no independence whatsoever, but everything that I did in life, I was like, it's more enjoyable with this person. So if everything in life is more enjoyable with this person, why on earth would I want to do these things by myself? And what, he, what my coach then explained to me at the time was he was like, if you're that dependent on this person, you will never be happy. Like if you continue down this path, you will never find true happiness in your own life. And so, um, you know, my partner at the time was working two jobs. He was in school full time. He was getting ready to go um, on an internship over to Kenya for a couple months. And I was going to have to be without him, you know, and that was when, when he went overseas, that was when I really realized how addicted I was because I basically couldn't function. Like I felt like my entire safety, security, stability, everything that he had done to help emotionally support me through our relationship was all of a sudden taken out and I had to fully depend on myself and I had no ability. Like I had no tools at the time to be able to do that. And so it was really, really unhealthy. And when he came back and near the end of our relationship, I started to really realize how addicted I was because it was very much like an addict. Like, so let's think of alcoholism, for instance, right? Where the more you drink, the higher your tolerance is. And so in order to get drunk, like you need more and more and more and more. And that's what was happening within our relationship. I could never get enough. It was never enough. And the more he gave me, the more I needed. And, um, and so that was ultimately like the beginning of the, of the end of our relationship. I mean, that's crazy because it's something that many people actually, I mean, like suffer. I mean, a lot of people go through the same thing as well, because when you're with somebody, you always feel like, I mean, like you can't, I mean, there's two parts. There's the part where you feel like you always want more. There's the other part you feel, I bet you have both actually. That's a crazy thing. The other part is you feel like you just like, you can't live without a person. Same people think this is love. Oh my God, we, we meant to be together. Everything is beautiful. I can't live without you. We always do things together. But we're going to come to one point where you're going to feel like you are, you depend so much on the person. And then, you don't even, you're going to just realize you don't even have a social life. Same people that live, right. you don't even have a social life. Everything you do, just your partner, like everything is good. It's love. But the thing is, I feel like as a human being, we need, you need our own space. You need to be on your own. You need to have a friend. You need to go do all the stuff that you like that actually make you happy. Your partner should be just the center of everything in your life, you know, right. because you have your own people are meant to be together, but people can naturally separate as well. I think that's a very a good thing. And 
what makes you realize? I mean, at what point you actually just realized like you was depend to that person a lot? I think it was more when you start traveling, you feel like you didn't do anything on your own. Yeah, it was. Or are you be- woman, are you in bed start crying on your own. Oh my god, I'm on my own. I really when he went overseas that was when I really realized how bad things were and then but that was also the very beginning of my spiritual journey my spiritual awakening and so there were a lot of moving parts there were a lot of things happening at the same time and when he was overseas I had a moment it was very cliche (laughs) where I was like in my bathroom on my knees crying and like praying to this God that I didn't have a relationship with at the the time. But I realized that I had such a lack of love for myself that I was hopeful that there was something bigger than me that could love me when I didn't know how to love myself. And so that was really the beginning of my own personal spiritual awakening. And, um, and then when he came back, it was all of these things started to unpack, but you know, and then, you know, my journey of, of, becoming a nomad. And a lot of that was, I realized how dependent I was on someone else and not just him. Like I was married before that. And I was dependent on my husband before that I had been in multiple relationships where I was just, I was very dependent. I didn't feel like I could fully go out and live life. And so becoming a nomad and kind of being forced to do things on my own and to step outside of my comfort zone and to look at all of the thoughts and the beliefs that were holding me back, um, you know, that was when things definitely began to shift for me. Yeah. So do you think, how, how did your partner react to that? Does he like, does he feel like, um, I don't know, like you love him less or it was like, oh man, you need to give me some space. Is, was he the he, one that actually realized it? Or it was actually you. It was, it was both of us. Um, Cause when we, first got together, we were both immediately drawn to one another. Um, The thing though, is that like, he definitely had his own life, right? Like he worked multiple jobs. He was in school full time. He was living his life. I was, I was at home all the time building a business. So I didn't have like that traditional job that I had to leave the house for. So everything was happening at home. Therefore, when he came home, I was ready to be with him. Um, But he was very, he was very loving and supportive of the journey um, he understood that I was healing a lot of things, but he definitely took the brunt of a lot of my pain. And, um, you know, he was extremely patient throughout the entire thing, but he was, he was definitely one who tried to gently nudge me to go do things and to explore. But it was, it was kind of a mix, you know, it was like he had a lot of love and compassion for where I was at and he enjoyed being with me as much as I enjoyed being with him. And he also had his own life he was trying to live. Okay. And then you told you, you tell me one thing about, because there was like a feeling like you cannot live without a person. The other thing you tell me was more about, um, what did you tell me before the second part? You said, first thing, it was like, you cannot live without the person. The other thing was. I don't remember. <laughs> God, I'm just as bad as you actually. <laughs> I think it was about, whew, I forgot what you were saying. You cannot live without a person. And the second, yeah. there was another thing that you just say about the addiction when you're actually with somebody. I mean, you feel like you love the person too much. And yeah, you feel like do you love the person actually too much. And then the love is never enough. That's what you told me, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how do the love can be enough? Is like, is it like being jealous or you just feel like the person is not loving you enough? He's not actually giving you the same love that you're actually giving. Is that, is that, that's why you define by that? 
Yeah. So for me, it was like, I wasn't giving any love to myself. Right. So it's like, I mean, you think of it as, and I know a lot of people talk about it in this way. Right. But like, if you are this kind of like empty vessel or this empty cup and you're dependent on someone else to fill your cup, but you're not doing anything to fill your own, then no matter what they're giving to you, it's never going to be enough because you're constantly being depleted. Whereas when you're giving to yourself and then you have this sense of overflow, when someone gives to you, it's, it's, you're always full. You're always more than enough, you know, but I, I didn't view myself as worthy of his love. He kept telling me how amazing I was and I had no belief whatsoever that that was actually true. I saw myself as broken. I thought that I was too broken to be loved by him. And so no matter what he did or said, it was never going to fix how I viewed myself. I had to shift what I believed to be true about myself. And what ended up, what I ended up unpacking during this whole process was I realized I had this belief that I was difficult to love and easy to leave. And so because that was my internal belief, then I was constantly acting from a space of needing that to be true in my external world. Right. Cause like our internal beliefs and this goes back to like the, the childhood, right. The inner child and like what you believe to be true. So hmm. if the subconscious believes I'm difficult to love and easy to leave, then if that's not happening in the external world, then you will then. So like for me, I was creating drama and, and toxic patterns. I was recreating toxic patterns to push him away so that he would leave so that when he left, I could say, see, it's true. I am difficult to love and I am easy to leave. And here's the external proof. But because he kept sticking around, not leaving me, I had to, it was like, I, I pushed further and further and further and further until finally it was too much. Yeah, because I think what happened to the relationship, relationship like that is because sometimes the guy, the person who actually, who actually want to show his emotion like you with your partner, sometimes like, you know, like you are that way, but he's trying to make you feel different. Like, you know, to try to show you like, okay, you should be yourself. You should do this, you should do this. But the more he's trying to change you, the more you feel like, I don't know, you feel like he's trying to change you for, for, for a bad cause because it's, it's very hard to like, to cheat like self-confidence to somebody, you know, like to cheat somebody how to be a independent, you know? It's very hard to do that because sometimes, like myself, I'm very confident. I'm a very confident person. And the fact that I'm, sometimes I come across as overconfident is not because I'm overconfident, just because I come to a background where I was really, really shy when I was a little. I've learned how to stand for myself. And when I'm around people who, are, who have low self-confidence, I always feel the need to kind of lift them up. But the most challenging part is always when you try it and the person feel like, oh, you know what? Why you don't love me the way I am? Why you want to change me? Why you just want me to be this way? Like, like it's not like we want to change you because I want you to be this way because I feel like you need to change because the way you are is, you know, you're going you know, you're gonna to struggle with society, with a lot of things, even with your own choice that you're going to make for your own life. And I think that's very, a lot of people struggle with it. But what I've learned with time is, it's just... It's one of those things that you only change just the person gonna change one the person gonna realize that you know what I need to change. So yeah. most of the time it's because of life situation, a lot of things that happen in life, ups and down, you know, life just smash you, smash you, smash you, and then one day you're just gonna look on the mirror and say, like, Oh shit, what you used to tell me was actually true. I think it's time for me to kind of lift myself and just change. And that's when the change gonna happen. I don't know. That's why. A, and that's a 
<clears throat> that's exactly what happened because when the relationship ended, I had this moment where, you know, he was gone, the relationship was over and I was sitting on the couch, just kind of looking around and I was like, what the fuck happened to my life? How is it that every single relationship I've had <clears throat> has fallen apart? How is it that every single relationship I've had, the same patterns have come out over and over and over and over again. And I started to realize that not only was I addicted to his love, but I was addicted to the drama. Like that's another addiction, right? Mm. Like, because a lot of times drama feels like passion. And if you don't know how to have healthy love and healthy passion, then you'll create these dramatic patterns in order to, to receive what feels like passion, but it's really just toxic drama. And so I made the decision in that moment because it was a relationship that I deeply wanted. And, um, and I was like, you know, if, if I don't look at what is causing this destruction in my life, then it's going to perpetuate in every single relationship I have from here on out. And so I made a promise to myself in that moment that I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even entertain the idea of dating until I had really looked at and healed that. And so, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't date at all for like two years, three years maybe. Um, and I was, you know, then traveling full time and that brought up all kinds of shit that I ended up healing. But, um, it was, it was in that moment that I was just like, never again. Like it, that really was the straw that, that broke the camel's back where I was like, I'm not going back to that person ever again. Yeah. But I think like the, the hard thing about it is sometimes what, what happened is you with somebody and you feel like you always trying to find trying to, uh, it's like, you always trying to find something like you to talk about, but the most thing that you want to talk about, you always, some, you always trying to find an issue. Oh, why is the problem? We're good, but I always have to find something that we're going to make us kind of, or not really argue, but just like you got to find like something negative to talk about. I feel like that's going to make you feel, I don't know if it's going to make you feel alive, but it's just going to make you feel like you are fighting for something instead of just having a conversation around peace and everything. You always feel like, yeah, I think it's an addiction as well. You're just addicted to, I don't know if you talk shit, but it's just like to say negative stuff, you know, things I don't know how you make the person feel, but sometimes the other person feel like, oh, it's not like that. We don't have the same mindset. You always feel like, oh, why can we just talk and why can we just chill and just have a good time? Why do you always have trying to find something negative to talk about? Why do we have to do that? And then trying to, that's kind of thing. You actually push people away. But the truth about it, inside they still love you see those people they really struggle to to kind of break up or anything because they really love each other. But just like the connection is just like the imbalance is just so deep and it's very hard. And then most of the time, those kind of people, they have to separate if they don't acknowledge the problem. Otherwise you're just going to destroy yourself. Yeah. That's what I well, and the, the other problem too, for me was that I didn't feel worthy. So part of why I was starting arguments, it wasn't just, and part of it was I was addicted to drama. I was addicted to that toxic cycle because it felt yeah, like that was the word addicted to drama. Yeah. Yeah. So I was addicted to, I was addicted to drama, but then on top of that, I also didn't feel worthy of the love he was giving me. And so by creating these arguments and feeling like, Oh, he'll fight for me. He'll fight for me. He'll fight for the relationship. It's, it fed into the need to feel worthy that I felt I could only get from him. Right. So it was like, if he puts up with my bullshit, if he sticks around, if he fights for me and fights for us, then somehow that means that I'm worthy. And because I wasn't doing the internal work at the time of 
feeling worthy and knowing that I'm worthy just because I'm here on earth, you know, that's really where it begins. And so because I didn't have that level of worthiness, there was nothing he was ever going to be able to do or say that would ever lead me to, to really truly know how worthy I truly am. Yeah. So how did you, how did you overcome it? Like how, how did you change it? So I did a lot of inner child work and, um, you know, I, I first became aware and it's called all kinds of things. It's called ego, subconscious, inner child in the spiritual community. It's talked about as being as shadow work. And, um, I started by sitting and listening to what the little girl within me needed to say. And so I pulled out my journal and I started just writing things out. And what I started to listen to, what I started to understand was that there was a lot of pain within her, that there were stories from childhood. There were things that had happened that created these beliefs and perpetuated these beliefs. There were dynamics that I had between men in my life that got perpetuated in, in lots of different relationships. There were abuse cycles that were uh, played out over and over and over again. And so I just, I started to listen to her and I also started over the years then, like once I was already on my nomadic journey, I started to listen to the fact that she, my inner child didn't actually want me to be in a relationship because when I was in a relationship, I put her and my needs on the back burner. And so, um, it started out with really nourishing myself on a body, mind, and soul level. So I was already working out at that time. I'd been working out for years, but I continued working out. I was nourishing my body. I was, um, meditating. I was spending time with myself. I, I started to like make a list of what are the things that I enjoy, that I enjoy doing that don't require money or other people, which is what I do with my clients. I call it the soul list. Like what are the things that help connect you to your essence, to your soul, to the truth of who you are that don't require money or other people? Because a lot of times if we're dependent on other people, then that perpetuates codependency. If we say that we can't do certain things because of money, then that creates a level of codependency with money. And so by, by doing the simple things like going for a walk, cooking, listening to music, writing, um, you know, doing whatever it is that brings you joy, it starts to, like, you start to cultivate this relationship with yourself. And so by nourishing myself on the body, mind, and soul level consistently every single day and getting really comfortable with being by myself I started to, I started to develop this level of love for myself that I had never had before, you know, and then, and then of course being on the road and traveling full time and, and spending a lot of time alone and, um, and learning that I can depend on myself, learning that I can trust myself, cultivating a relationship with God, like all of those things played a part. So now when I show up in relationship with other people, whether it's in friendships or a romantic relationship, like I know that I'm already whole and complete. And so it's just a matter of us reflecting back to one another, what we already, you know, who we already are. And uh, you did mention something about alcohol as well. So right. You yep. start actually drinking. So is it like, does drinking have something to do with that? I think so. What, I mean, why do people actually end up drinking sometimes? Because I have a lot of people actually have this kind of thing, like each in a relationship or whatever happened, they always go to start drinking. So is it like something actually related to that? Yeah. So I was an alcoholic. I didn't want to, I didn't want to label myself as an alcoholic, but I was absolutely an alcoholic. And I started to pay attention to this in my marriage. So before my, my next relationship, but I was in a marriage, he was an alcoholic 
Um, and I was constantly trying to regulate his drinking because I viewed him as drinking too much. And I struggled with saying no to alcohol when he started drinking a lot. And so then after that, then my next partner who I was talking about, I, I viewed him as an alcoholic. I thought he absolutely had alcoholic behaviors. Why? And I mean, based on the, the older relationship, because you used to see the person, that's the reason why you thought the older one was alcoholic as well. Well, my last partner, I thought he was an alcoholic because he drank every single day. He would take alcohol. He would put alcohol in his coffee when he would go to school. Like I was like, there's like no reason, really? for, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. So there were, there were a lot of signs there, but the other thing was that again, like I couldn't say no when he, I would like tell myself earlier in the day, like, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then he would come home, he would pour a drink and it was immediately, I couldn't say no. And so I had a hard time regulating my behavior. But the other reason I think I chose to be with alcoholics was because it made my behavior look normal. As long as someone else was always drinking more than me, then my behavior looked normal, right? But then once he was removed from the equation and That's I realized the- that I was using alcohol as a way of avoiding my feelings, numbing my experience of life. Um, and so the way that I started to work through that was I was drinking about a bottle of wine a night on average, sometimes more. And I finally told myself, like, I'm not going to tell myself that I have to quit drinking, but because I wasn't going to white knuckle it and I don't do deprivation, but I'm going to tell myself that I have to feel my feelings first. So it's not about not drinking the alcohol, but it's, it's about not using alcohol as a way of avoiding feelings. So the bottle of wine is there. I feel like shit. I need to sit here and feel whatever the hell I need to feel. And after I have felt it, after I've accepted it, after I've cried it out and I feel totally complete and I've released it, then I can go have a, you know, a glass of wine. And I was cutting my drinking in half easily because I no longer was using it as a way of numbing. And over time, like now I basically never drink. I have maybe like one drink a year. But have, you, have, you decide, have you decided to stop it yourself? Do you think that when, when you with somebody actually you drink? Because that time you was with your partner as well or you were mm-hmm. just on your own? So yeah. you both was kind of alcoholic, right? Both of you. Yep. Uh, but did you know it was a problem? Was he drinking more than you, right? He was drinking more than me, yeah. So the fact he was drinking more than you, it make you feel like you was, you was normal, right? Yep. Or it make you feel right because he couldn't really yep. judge you for your drinking, right? Right. So, it was course, normal. I mean, it was normal. Was, like yeah. he didn't see himself as an alcoholic. So because he didn't see it, you know, and I even addressed it with him and he's like, I'm not an alcoholic. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really care how you view yourself, you know? So if, what do you think, what, what, in what state do you actually describe it? Somebody can describe themselves as alcoholic because a lot of people have a lot of addiction, but sometimes you don't know. It's, it's not just about, for people are listening to it, it's not, it's not just about alcoholics. I think it's every addiction. Most people are addict, addicted. We don't actually know that we're addicted. I think we all have an addiction, even myself as well. We all have addiction. Sometimes I feel like I'm addicted to the gym or I'm addicted to a lot of things, to Trump, you know, politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. But when it comes to alcohol, to alcohol, you know, to alcohol, drinking, being alcoholic. So in what point can you actually describe somebody like, you know what, you started now to become alcoholic? Like, what is the sign? In my personal Based on your ex- opinion, personal this, experience. Yes, yeah. and this is just my own opinion. People will define it another way. So yeah, people, me, just before you start, there's no, like this is her personal opinion. There's no need for you to get all emotional or whatever. <laughs> if you got some alcohol problem, that's your problem. So this is just her personal opinion, right? It's on me. Go ahead. <laughs> my, 
my personal opinion is that if you are using alcohol to avoid feeling or experiencing anything, if you're using alcohol as a way of numbing your experience of life, you're an alcoholic. So, cause there's always a reason it's like, you know, I'm drinking cause I'm happy. I'm drinking cause I'm sad. I'm drinking cause I'm angry. I'm drinking cause I'm frustrated. I'm drinking too. Like you should already feel whole and complete as is. And you just want to have a drink. There's nothing wrong with that. Cause it's not about drinking alcohol or not drinking alcohol. It's not about depriving yourself. If you don't want to deprive yourself, it's a personal choice. There's nothing wrong with alcohol if you genuinely want to drink it. But what I learned in my own experience was that the more full and whole and complete I feel, I just don't have the desire. It's not even about like I'm depriving myself or because I was an alcoholic, I can't drink anymore. I can drink. I just don't really enjoy it anymore because I'm not using it as a way of trying to fill a void. Amen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, are you preaching today? Well, I think that that's a very, but do you think somebody can actually make you stop drinking? Because a lot of people try. I think it has to be a personal choice. Mm. Like you can't force. So here's, here's my, again, my personal opinion. So the reason I was trying to prevent or, or control or stop my partner from his drinking behaviors was because I didn't want to point the finger at myself. I didn't want to look at my own shit. So when we try to fix or control something in someone else, it's almost always because there's something we're avoiding looking at within ourselves. I think it's like doing something and doing something that you know is bad. But if you see somebody else doing that, you feel like, yeah, it's cool. But if you know, like you go to somebody that don't do this kind of thing. And if you start doing that, you feel kind of guilty because the person doesn't do it the thing that you do. I think you kind of mirror yourself in the person. I think it's kind of the same thing. I don't know if you get it, but yeah. I do. I yeah. do. And I uh, think so you actually feel have... less guilty when you see you know that the person like drink as well. Yeah. And I think that it's important to, I mean, you live a healthy lifestyle. Like it's important to surround yourself with people who embody. I'm to water. <laughs> I think it's important to surround yourself with people who embody the life of the highest version of you, you know? So like I choose now to surround myself with people who think, feel, act, and address their life in a way that I, that the highest version of me handles herself, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it actually makes sense. So any store, how, how long did you take you like to stop? Was it really like a big struggle? You went to like see people, you just like a personal choice and just one day just say, you know what? I'm done. It was a personal, it's always been a personal choice. So like it would, I would say it only took me a few months before I really like kind of gave it up. Um, and it was, it, what I also learned was that, so I think a lot of times people look at all of like everything external as individual issues, right? So people are like, I have a problem with alcohol. I have a problem with food or my weight. I have a problem with money. I have a problem in my relationship. I have a problem in my job. And we see all these external problems. But the thing is, everything external is a reflection of your relationship to yourself. So your relationship with money is a reflection of your relationship to self. Your relationship to food is a reflection of your relationship to self. Your relationship with your partner is a reflection of your relationship to self. So 
once you go inward and you start looking at what is my relationship to myself? How do I think? How do I feel? How do I act? Do my thoughts, my actions, my energy, do all of that, do all those things align? And, and am I backing up my actions with my thoughts and my beliefs? Like all of that plays a part. Once you go within and do all of that, everything external starts to stabilize. And then you realize that all of these problems you thought you had kind of magically disappear. Wow. I think that's a, I think that's a personal choice. You have to make sure that you decide to do it yourself because it's like yeah. a lot of people actually, it's not everybody actually does survive when it comes to like being addicted to. So there's any, any other addiction, like what about people who are addicted to other stuff? Like how do you, what can you tell them like to overcome it? I think, well, I think it's all the same. I think it's all about a matter of going within. So like when I work with clients and they're telling me about all of the shit that they have going on externally, I always bring it back to them. So body, mind, and soul routine, right? Are you working out? Are you nourishing your body? Are you drinking lots of water? Are you meditating? Are you spending time with yourself? Are you journaling and listening to that little child within you? Are you paying attention to the thoughts? Are you feeling your feelings? Are you honoring your experience of life? Like, all of those things play a part. And a big piece is that when you're getting triggered by something external, instead of numbing it, so like, let's say you get triggered by your partner, your partner pisses you off, they've done something, whatever, like they haven't done the dishes and you're pissed off about it. Instead of being angry about it and reaching for the alcohol or the food or going and watching TV or you know, scrolling social media, whatever the external piece is, going and looking at, okay, what is the story that I'm telling myself that is pissing me off about the fact that my partner hasn't done the dishes? Every single time you look at that trigger, because what I, what I tell people is where you're triggered is where your work is. If you're getting triggered by someone else, it's because there's a wound within you that you're not paying attention to. There's an old story, an old belief, you know, a limiting pattern that isn't being looked at. And so once you start having the awareness of my emotions are guiding me to my unhealed pain, and as long as I pay attention to my emotions and what my unhealed pain is and what the stories are, then I have complete control over, and you know, I talk a lot about like learning to empower yourself. You have complete control over your experience of life when you show up from that space. So it's not like you can't control the external, like what happens to you, right? But you always have control over how you respond to someone or respond to a situation that you have complete control over. But if you're constantly numbing your emotions and not looking at the stories that are coming up, you will forever be a victim of your external circumstances. Yeah, I think because you were saying something about things that you actually want people to do sometimes is actually things that you feel like that's your task. How do you, I want to go deeper than that actually when you talk about it. So what was it really about? With the, like, like with the doing of the dishes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds so, good enough. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Don't tell me to wash the dishes, man. If you want it, I mean, you should do that yourself. So, I mean, it's been a while since I've gotten to an argument about dish, dishwashing. I've been washing my own dishes for four years now. But it's, you know, if someone, if someone has said they're going to do something, whatever. Like, let's say your partner is like, you've asked them to do the dishes. They're not doing the dishes. Well, then look at what is coming up. Are you believing that you have no support? Are you believing that your partner doesn't love you? Are you believing that um, your partner never does what they say they're going to do? 
like you have to look at whatever the story is coming up and then from a from a female perspective from a feminine perspective instead of nagging and blaming your partner one thing that you can do is to talk about how it feels right so instead of like you said you were going to do the dishes you didn't do the dishes if it's bothering you, if it's, if emotions are coming up, you can talk about your feelings, but before you express that to your partner, you have to first look at why is it bothering me in the first place? Like what, again, what is the story that's coming up? Oops, my mic was actually breaking. That's a very good point. So like now looking at the future now, do you feel like you are ready for the next one? You don't want to be more like yeah. judgmental because sometimes you feel like you're going to be more judgmental about the next partner. Be, because I, of I'm really judgmental. No, like, because you're going through a lot of things and overcoming your own, like, you know, problems, self-confidence, alcoholism, and everything. So do you think you, you understand people much better now? I do. And I understand now that things aren't about me. So someone's alcohol addiction isn't about me. Someone's desire to cheat isn't about me. Like there are a lot of things that I've experienced in other relationships. I've been cheated on a lot. And I realized like it had nothing to do with me. You know, it's their, it's their own journey. It's their own path. Now I have standards of course, you know, um, but there, but I looking back on the relationships I've been in and looking at all the things that I've healed within myself and now being able to communicate in a way, the, the way that I communicate today is not how I communicated four years ago. The vulnerability that I have today is not, I had no vulnerability back then. I went straight from being triggered to like yelling. There was, there were no other emotions because I was, I was too afraid to really show what my feelings were. Um, so I would communicate in a completely different way, you know, but I, um, yeah, I, I'm like, I don't, I, you know, it's funny because I've told people before that just dating as a newer version of myself, or I guess a, a healed version of myself feels like an alcoholic trying to learn how to responsibly drink. Like I had never dated as this version of myself before. So I kind of had to learn how to engage with people in a new way because all of my old habits and patterns are gone. Like I don't, I don't interact with people in that way anymore. And so it's been a really weird experience to practice using my voice in a way that I didn't have years. Like if you're super addicted to working out and your body is experiencing pain or soreness that goes beyond the normal level of just feeling sore from a workout, you can actually injure yourself, right? If you have a level of, an, of addiction, you can actually end up injuring yourself. And so I think it's a matter of, still having that healthy discernment of when to pull back and when to push forward. I think it's when you feel like you cannot live without the thing that you're actually doing or the thing makes you happy and you cannot find a happiness without it. And that's, that's when you feel like you depend so much on the thing. I think even yeah. if it's like a healthy, even if it's something healthy, I, I don't mean, there's only a balance like even if it's healthy when it's like too much and you feel like oh my god it's like i need crack right now and that's when you're actually trying to get bad now so you feel yeah. like you know what i need the balance like i come i kind of survive without it so it can be a bad thing as well but it's always good to have like if you're addicted addicted to something that's gonna hurt you less at least the impact is not gonna be the same as something that's just gonna destroy you straight away but right. in a bigger picture you're always going to destroy yourself somewhere when you actually go too much of something 
what no matter what it right. is. Well, because the thing about like working out, for instance, right? Like I think a lot of times people can get addicted to working out when they have a specific physical goal, right? So like I'm, I'm addicted to working out because I want my body to look like this. But going back to what you said, if you're doing it because you, because like that is the source of your happiness. So like I'm only working out because I want to have this body and I will only be happy if I have that body. Then that's a, that's an unhealthy level of addiction to working out versus I love myself so much and working out is how I show myself that I love myself because my body is my vessel and I take care of it. It's a completely different mindset. So, and when you're doing it from that level, like when you're working out from that level of, I love myself so much, I want to move my body. It doesn't feel like addiction. It, it feels like a form of self-love. Self-love. Versus, yeah. yeah but, so but, I, think it's just, I think it's the intention behind it. You know, is it possible that there are people addicted to, to joy, people who are addicted to being happy? And I think that, yeah, on, such joy some, and I think that on some level there, that's true. Right. And then I think about my own life and I'm like, I actually find just as much joy in my sadness as I do in my joy, because it's part of the human experience. And I've learned that like, I've learned to appreciate the darkness because without contrast, without pain, without um, sadness, you don't appreciate the, the positive times as much, you know? And, and for me, like as a writer, some of my best writing comes out when I'm sad. <laughs> so I, you know, there's always value in every experience of life. And so I don't necessarily want to feel happy all of the time or be addicted to my happiness or whatever. Like I, I've really come to a space where I truly value the entire human experience. I think that, you know, for people who are listening, if you're like, I don't know, am I addicted? One way to, to pay attention to that is try to go without the thing and just see how uncomfortable you are. So like, you know, if you're finding yourself drinking on a daily basis, tell yourself like, I'm going to go a day, two days, a week. I don't know. Just see where you're, see where you hit that edge, you know, that edge of like really strong discomfort. If you're wondering if you're addicted to social media or your phone, just oh. like set it, like set it aside and sit, to me all the time. Sit, with, sit with yourself for like, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes, and just see how antsy you get, how anxious you get. Um, you know, like there, it's really a matter of Whatever thing you're like, I don't know, am I addicted to that thing? Remove the thing and just sit with yourself. And you don't even have to like sit in meditation, but just like sit with yourself in the silence and just pay attention to how uncomfortable you are. That discomfort will let you know what your level of addiction is. And I, I mean, as someone who's worked through it, like I still have to, especially with my phone and social media, like I still have to, you know detox from certain things like I now have my phone in airplane mode at night so that when I wake up in the morning my phone is not the first thing I check it's like I get out of bed and I go to my meditation spot and like I you know I just pass up my phone and then you know an hour later or two hours later I finally turn it on but I have to force myself to do those things because otherwise you're relying on willpower and like that's going to tire you out pretty quickly. Hey, so thank you, Anne. I just want to say one more time, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for taking part of the show, and I really appreciate it. For everybody who want to get in touch with my friend Anne, 
you can actually check her on instagram on you know on social media on her website as well i'm gonna put all the details on the description and, and again thank you for having you today and i really appreciate the conversation man that's why i love having you here this is your house you can come back at any time i hope you guys enjoy it let's get it thank you god bless Thank you.